It starts with beer. I'm your host, Will Sis. And in this episode, we meet A.J. Kierens, the host of the incredibly informative 16-ounce Canvas podcast. It starts with beer as a member of the Hopped Up Network. And this episode is brought to you by Back East Brewing of Bloomfield, Connecticut. Their taproom expansion with indoor and outdoor seating makes Back East the perfect place to enjoy excellent beers like Ice Cream Man IPA or Coucher IPA, their award-winning Porter, or any of the other delicious beers in their ever-changing lineup. Go to BackEastBrewing.com for more information. The 16-ounce Canvas podcast focuses on the artists behind beer art primarily the work found on beer cans. These artists need to tell a story and sell a product, sometimes in the span of a few seconds while you shop. In this episode, we talk generally about this art form and then go deeper into a few specific labels from Short Throw, Abomination, and Housatonic Brewing Companies. After the interview, stay for the after party where I'll reflect on some beer news and spin the after-party track, West Virginia Girl by Shane Scarazzini and Eight Fingers. We'll hear a snippet of the track before the interview with AJ Kierens of the 16-Ounce Canvas Podcast. Let's listen in. Hey, AJ, I'm so glad that you could join me for my podcast. Must feel a little bit weird since you, you know, host your own. Uh, thanks so much for, for having me. Well, I've, been, I've been enjoying uh, diving into yours, and it's just nice to, uh, nice to be on the other side of the mic, so to speak. So I just, uh, yeah, thanks so much for, for wanting to, to talk to me today. My pleasure. So just like I do for all my podcast hosts, I've created this virtual pub that we're about to walk into. And because your podcast is all about art, I decided that I was going to create this one to be almost like an art gallery museum slash pub. So let's go in through the big doors because I made it real nice and fancy. I hope you're you know, your 3D vision is working over there. I got the goggles on, I'm ready. Yeah, they're, they're kind of pinchy, but, I, you know, I think, I think it's worth it. As you can see, very grand. Um, it looks like a museum. I've got art from beer can art all over the place. And later on, we're going to take a look at three cans that I've blown up to gigantic proportions so that you can tell me all about them. But first, let's head on over to the bar, take a seat, and... Um, I'm going to be ordering, uh, you know, what we've got in front of us are about a thousand different cans. You know, I figured, you know, virtually what the heck go crazy. So I'm, I'm going to be sipping on a can that I chose because of the way it looks, to be honest. That's Nod Hill's Super Mantis. So that's what I'm going to be uh, sipping on. Feel free to grab, you know, whatever can you want from, from the pile there. Oh, I, I think, uh, can you hear that one? I think it looks like, it looks like it's from Short Throw. Uh, it's one of oh. their 
I like Yeah, they make some killer spells. Yeah. Oh, I got it. I got it. Here you go. Here, catch. All right. Probably shook it up. Shook it, it up a little bit on the, on the throw there, but, uh, you know, we'll make it work. So I want to talk to you a go. little bit about what makes the art form of the 16-ounce canvas unique. In other words, what is it that, are, what, what opportunities does an artist have to express themselves on that, you know, as you call it, the 16-ounce canvas? Yeah, I think it's, it's really been a, a great turning point, I think, in, in craft beer. I think it really allows for expression. It creates a different uh, piece or, or vibe for the brewery and kind of what you can expect from them. It's a great way because beer is an art form. And I, so I also think, but it's a great way to align with artists who are doing some really unique stuff. The idea came to me probably about four or five years ago when I was seeing the, the pivot to the, the can revolution, kind of making it easier to distribute. And, you know, the fact that cans were becoming more popular and breweries like Treehouse and Tired Hands and Philly, where I'm from, were doing these like just minimalist like circle stickers, but just so you knew what they were serving you. And from there, it just really kind of, uh, it's, I think it's exploded and it's been awesome to see. It's really evolved, I think, early on, what you'd see, even just kind of like traditional beer with bottles and styles is very, you know, font heavy. When you think of like the, the Belgian beers, uh, you know, Duvel and Chimay and, you know, those, it was just like a unique lettering and writing. And now it's really kind of completely evolved to, you know, modern art, to storytelling. You know, some folks are just topography heavy. Sometimes you don't even know who the brewery is. You know, there's always debate about that. You know, is it, you know, you need to have a huge, huge badge of the, the brewery there, or do you just know from the art that it's, you know, so-and-so. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm still amazed that we're able to speak to so many different artists, um, you know, on our podcast. And so that's really been wild to me. It was, like I said, it was an idea about four or five years ago, and we thought we'd probably do, you know, a dozen or two episodes and, and call it a day. And, you know, here we are you know, four plus years later, and there's, you know, we get recommendations like, you know, weekly. What is it that you want to get across in your podcast? It probably changes episode to episode. What do you hope that your listeners come away with? So that's a great question. So early on, I think I was just kind of excited to talk to these folks, and I didn't know how it would evolve. In recent, you know, I'd say in the last year or so, I've really kind of seen that it's it's a kind of a positive story. It's not it's bigger than art and design. It's folks who are doing something that they're you know they're passionate about that they love and. You know, somebody of my age, you know, I'm in my 40s, you know, when I was younger, the idea of, you know, being an artist or doing a non-traditional job wasn't really seen, you know, seen in a positive. It was like, oh, you need to go to college and you have to do this. And it was a very formal path of life. And so these folks who are doing it, you know, they're able to have a creative outlet. They're able to be, you know, be true to themselves. You know, some have other side hustles, but some breweries have, you know, full-time designers and photographers and folks on staff. So I think it's really just been a story of kind of hard work and being, you know, being true to yourself and kind of, you know, going for it. Obviously, one of the other cool things that's come up is we've all had really crappy jobs. And so I think that I've come to see that your crappy job is just as important as, you know, the the dream job you get because you, you know either what you don't like or how people treat you or process. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of evolved more than I ever really expected it to be at this point and i think also it's made me appreciate the breweries and the the teams there because if you make good beer especially now if you know the way things propagate through the internet 
people people will find you or, or want your beer. And so the argument you made early days of you know, Treehouse and Tired Hands is because those are kind of the inspiration breweries with the stickers. Like people people lined up regardless. And so they make this an added you know value. And some of these labels that are out there, you know, the more I dive into it, you find that they're not cheap to do if they have a foil. Or even, you know, if they're doing raised print for some of these special bottle releases with the paper they're using, it's it's really amazing. So, I mean, it adds a level of, you know, just from a business standpoint, a level of overhead sometimes that's not always thought about because it's a piece of art that you're throwing away at the end of it, if it you know. So that's kind of it's kind of crazy when you think about it like that. Unless you're one of these weird people that actually washes and uh, opens the can at the bottom uh, and, you know, displays <laughs> it and things like that. Which I yeah. used to be, but uh, that that's gotten an overhaul. So you've had a chance to meet and speak with all these artists as part of your podcast. Tell me about the different kinds of mindsets that they've had to have when starting a project and all the way to finishing a project. What what is it like for an artist to to take on a work like a beer can? So, yeah, that's one of the questions we always ask is and it's a little nerdier question, kind of like what's the project management life cycle like? And depending on the brewery and how organized they are, you know, with their their schedule and what have you, it makes it a little easier for the artists. But there's, you know, there's nightmare scenarios where they're given, you know, 40, 48, 72 hours to come up with a, a label. Other times when it's something maybe that's barrel aged or you know wild fermentation where it's going to be a longer uh, brew period they have more time they can ideate it really i mean it, it varies you know I, some of the breweries give kind of carte blanche to the artists and let them do some their own thing when once they kind of kind of get in that sweet spot together and others are really you know i want i want this and that you know can you bring that to life so it really kind of depends on the the beer because it's fun to find out how the beers are named and how they come up with the ideas for it but it's really just um it's really interesting because there's really not a common you know common theme I, I think that the artists would love to have more time i think two weeks is it's amazing to think i was like overwhelmed thinking two weeks but i think two weeks is a kind of ideal sweet spot if they can if they can get it and then there's other artists who do much they, they feel they they do much better under pressure and so they like to have that short time period or they just procrastinate and wait till the 11th hour to, to start what do you think are the basics of what would be termed an effective i wouldn't say good or quality because you know it's all of this is uh, so subjective but what what makes for an effective beer can design well, I think that now that we're uh, in a very uh, social media driven culture especially now given where we are with, you know, uh, with COVID and folks not being able to be out and about as much. So I think the grab grabs the eye um, is really important. And I also think uh, consistency, whatever that is. If you're if you're doing, you know, more modern style, like uh, I know Modern Times in San Diego does a lot of that style, and also <clears throat> like New Park here in Connecticut, um, consistency, and then really just trying to even if the art's different, having that that theme or that idea that's shared across, you know, so you're, it is, because at the end of the day, it is, it is part of the branding strategy. And I think that you can't forget that. So I think that's important to remember that the labels are part of your brand. And so you can't have, you know, you, you can't vary too much. Um, you know, you don't have to have the same artist. And I do love when 
breweries have different artists who you know, do some of their works, but I think that you have to have some level of, of consistency across. Why do you think that consistency is important? Because at the end of the day, you're trying to you're trying to build a brand, you're trying to build a story. I think that when it's consistent, the idea and one of the frameworks for the project was, you know, when you see it on the shelf, and as you said before, right, you purchased a beer because of how it looked. And so if you like how it looks, you know, I think while social media is important, there's a lot of people buying beer that aren't on social media or aren't as engaged as some of us are. And so when they look to see, okay, I like this beer, if they go back to the store and they want to buy again and that same brewery has a completely different look, they might skip it over because they feel they never had that that brewery or what have you. You know, I think that there's a, a level or an inference that you know all the customers are as knowledgeable in beer as, you know, maybe you and I are, you know, knowledgeable in quotes. I don't I don't never consider myself a, a beer expert. Um, but I think I just think it's it's important. Is there any art creation in your background that you kind of bring to the conversation? No, I, I usually say um, kind of like a MacGyver of, of stuff. I, I, I've I've done in my previous life, I've done uh, some, I have a, a technical programming and you know, web design background. So I, I do have some level of familiarity with the Adobe suite, but I would never, I, I don't have an art background. I, you know, I went to school for, for marketing and, uh, IT. So, and my my day job's in market research. So, I do see the power of of branding, and you know that kind of is like the the precipice for everything. Yeah, I'm more of the the storyteller, or the or the catalyst. But I wouldn't consider myself uh, an artist by any means. Well, frankly, I think that that actually benefits the 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 podcast in a way because you don't look at it with any preconceived notions you're not saying well you know when i designed this can for such and such you look at it from the perspective of the, of the consumer one at one of the interviews you, that you did you had mentioned said something like cans are like the album covers for breweries the idea being that they've got to catch your imagination before you can make the purchase are you finding that there are kind of music connections between creating uh, the cans and creating either album art or any other kind of art for for musicians? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been really great. I mean, I, I love that uh, that correlation. As somebody who's a big music fan, it's really yeah, it's why we always ask them what they listen to when they're creating, and we keep a, a running playlist that we update. But what really you find is a lot of their stories kind of will go back to either they were in a band or a friend was in a band. And, you know, back in the day, you know, they were doing a lot of DIY stuff and just kind of, I used to manage a band. So I kind of know, like, you're just kind of trying to duct tape stuff together <laughs> and you realize, okay, I can do this. You can do that. Let's, you know, wear a bunch of different hats. And so some of their stories are really great because it, it was just kind of out of necessity. Like, okay, we're playing a gig. We need a poster. We need promo. And, you know, kind of evolved from there. And people finding that they really, you know, loved music and loved, you know, creating, you know, creating these things. And that they were, had this skill set that was, they weren't really uh, aware of. You know, gig posters, I think it's probably the most uh, relatable kind of art form to, you know, the beer label as well as the album cover. And, you know, from there, we've been on the rabbit hole of learning about screen printing. And then some of our guests, um, 
I, my, one of my favorite bands is Fish, and we've had, I think, four or five artists who've done, you know, concert posters for Fish and other major acts out there today. So it's really kind of, uh, it's not even six degrees of separation. For a lot of them, it's like two or three. It's really, yeah, it's really cool. What I think is a connection also is that you're dealing with multi-sensory. So here's this visual that's supposed to represent flavor and smell. And then here's this other visual that's supposed to represent sound. It really must be a challenge for the artist, and it must be it must take a lot of trust from the producer of whatever it is that they're selling, whether it's beer or music, to kind of cede that power over to a visual artist. Have you heard of anything like there was some uh, problems along the way? I mean, is it is it always a seamless transition? Oh, we made this beer, make a can, looks great, here you go, on the shelf. What kind of uh, interplay, where, where has it gotten a little uh, controversial, or how, how do they work out problems? So it seems... It seems that the, I would say maybe the first half dozen or so, we'll just or arbitrarily for around number ten, you know, labels that somebody would do with a with a brewery or a project have more scrutiny. So they'll they're not. It's almost like a like a hazing or like a welcoming process. You know, they depending on the brewery, sometimes it's the brewers that will tell about the ingredients or maybe where the name came from and what they're trying to say or tell. Um, you know, some breweries are a little more tongue-in-cheek. Uh, and so I think that first, you know, six to ten labels is really important. Because, and then you'll hear that, you know, now I just, you know, they tell me a few things and then I'll send them, you know, two or maybe two or three versions or, you know, sketches of the ideas I have before I go, you know, all in. Uh, ideally, you know, it's a, it's a give and take. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a collaboration that doesn't really get seen. And it's really interesting to to hear how it comes out. Some some folks are very stringent, but it's all about trust. The artists, you know, because a lot of times they're unique, new relationships. Um, and so once they have that trust, they're kind of they kind of connect and know what what you know who wants what and kind of run with it. You know, I'm I'm looking at this can uh, virtually, of course, because we're in a virtual space. But I have this virtual can of Super Mantis. And I'm, I'm looking it over. Of course, my design skills are so good that I can turn the can in my hands. And I love this design by Brian Steely. And it's from Nod Hill, uh, right out of Ridgefield, Connecticut. It's this giant, what I guess is a praying mantis, but it's, it's very stylized. It's, um, can, uh, and, and there's kind of like a cityscape behind it, and it's it's gigantic, and it seems to be, you know, taking over this city kind of like Godzilla or something like that. It's so good that now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, how come they don't get credit on the labels, or do they? I, I don't think I've ever seen a label that said designed by. I think that's been one of the, the great things that you'll, if you have to look for it, in this resting my greatness, uh, if it says right on the bottom, can design and has, you know, Ryan Adams' uh, Instagram handle. So I think that's one of the things that is by brewery, and I've noticed that a lot more in recent uh, years, is the fact they'll give the they'll give the credit. Some of the breweries don't, and there's a you know you can kind of see maybe they don't do that because they don't want to like the element of, of surprise, but I really, I admire a lot and it makes my job a lot easier for trying to find new artists. But when uh, breweries will say can art 
buy and like list it you know it's and i think it's i just think it's great you know that they do that well if there's one thing that i know about looking at beer can labels is that you can fit a hop into anything I've seen hops uh, <laughs> turned into a firefly. I've seen hops uh, as part of, you know, a flower, you know, of the sun, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it, it, there, there's a lot of a lot of room for creativity there. So if you're all right with this, why don't you take your can and we're going to walk on over to the gallery space that I've set up. It's only about, uh, you know. 10 yards in uh, this direction. You can follow me. All right. And you can see here that I've got a couple of cans, uh, labels that I've blown up to giant proportions so that we can really look at the kind of details. And for those of you at home, since this is an audio experience, feel free to head on over to beersnobrights.com slash podcast, where I'll have these labels up on my site. You can look at them uh, yourself. This first one is the one that you also got on as a can. Can you tell me about Resting My Greatness? Uh, Resting My Greatness. So we are really fond of this artist. Uh, he's we're really lucky, and I consider Ryan a friend, and he's just a, a great you know great person. But Ryan Adams um, is the artist uh, for Short Throw Brewing. They're based. Uh, they brew out of. Um, they brew out of. Uh, 12% in North Haven, but the really cool story, uh, you know, their, their owner and founder, Brandon Tolbert used to be one of the, the brewers for the answer, uh, in Virginia also. And so it's really been great. And kind of the, the story there was, uh, why, why, I mean, Ryan was a guest we really connected. He owns a business with, uh, Will Sears, who does the labels for Oxbow Brewing. They're, they're main guys. Maine has become, uh, kind of our, our second or, or third home, depending on where you, you know, rank, rank them for us as a family. But it really was, uh, we have a warm spot for Maine. And so we, we connected with Ryan as a guest and we loved his unique way of doing his geometrical lettering. And it's really, it's truly unique. I think it's probably one of the most unique styles that I've ever seen. And I've come to fall in love with it. And like I said, just because he's a good person, it makes it even you know more enjoyable, but Long story longer is that they were looking for an artist to to do this when Brandon uh, pivoted, and I was speaking with uh, Alex over at Twelve Percent, and I I made the introduction with Ryan to do the labels, and so I take a little kind of source of pride every time I, I see these, and so I just think it has a kind of traditionally in graffiti style. It's really unique, and you know, the shapes and the it's kind of multidimensional when you look at it from afar, you can see the, the words that it's trying to say, and then just the cool shapes and, and styles that are on there. So, and they make, and they make great beers. So absolutely. As you, as you said, this is a graffiti style. This, if you look at it, you know, straight away, it seems to say resting my, and then you kind of just, it's kind of like, you know, it's letters. It's kind of like a purple and black thing going on. But then, yeah, absolutely, you can see it. It's it is almost like an optical illusion mm. that 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 comes to light. We teamed up earlier in the year. We don't do a lot of merch, um, but we did a glass. And originally, it was just we wanted to do a glass to have something that was ours. And then, uh, you know, things happened. Um, you know, with COVID hitting, and you know, the fact that it was impacting so many businesses in Maine as well. Uh, you know, we decided instead of the proceeds going to to the 16 ounce canvas, that they would go towards uh, a few 
businesses that were mutually, you know, friends of both of ours that we've come to support and worked with over the years. And then, uh, you know, George Floyd's uh, happened and that we also donated a portion that we increased the run of the glasses and uh, increased uh, the donations. And then 25% of those donations went to the NAACP uh, Legal Defense Fund. So, yeah. Let's take a look at another one. This is from Abomination Brewing. Their beer here is a double IPA. It's brewed with local honey and matcha, and it's called Toxic Earth. Artist Sam Heimer. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about this one? Yeah, Sam's a Sam's a great artist. He's uh, you know Abomination is really kind of uh, close to my heart because I really Josh and the crew are just good people, but. He's a Philly guy. They're a Philly brewery that he moved to Connecticut once they uh, aligned and we you know, started getting uh, distribution and uh, able to brew out of the, the 12% uh, North Haven location. And so he and I have a lot in common. Uh, we've and he they support a lot of great artists. Sam does uh, a fair majority of their work. And they also have an artist, uh, Patrick Henze, out of Philadelphia. And then they worked uh, most recently on a, a beer that was a collaboration with Front Porch with. Uh, artist goes by the name of non heinous but sam's work is really detailed a lot of his work has a little bit of a kind of darkness to it a lot of skeletons and death but with like a a fun and kind of warmth to it that you have to really see to to believe you know i'm saying these uh decrepit faces and what have you but it's really kind of done with a little tongue-in-cheek and you know some some fun to it and yeah i think that them, him aligning with uh, Abomination has been a great decision for Abomination's brand. And the work that he does is just, it's insanely detailed you know, with a heavy focus on black and darkness, which is, is really hard to do. So I'm looking at this can. It, it has uh, some sort of HP Lovecraft style mm-hmm. um, tentacle laden beast with looks like elk horns uh, coming out of it, but the ears of some sort of donkey, perhaps, all emerging from what look like giant cans of toxic waste. Yeah, it's like a kraken goes, yeah, it goes in the woods. It's got a really, yeah, I'm not even sure what's going on there. I think maybe that's the the toxicity. Uh, exactly. But yeah, I think it's great. I mean, it's, like I said, it's some of them are out there. So riddle me this, okay? You, you you create a beer, you put it in a lot of time, then you call it toxic earth, and then you put images of toxicity on it. Yeah. Is that going to make people want to buy the beer? I mean, just kind of playing devil's advocate, that kind of makes it look like it's poison. Right, right. <laughs> Why does this have, maybe you can explain the, the, the psychology of, because this is a cool can. Why does this work? I don't know. I don't know why it works. I think that um, sometimes it doesn't work. I think what what is cool is that breweries like Abomination they definitely take some risks. I know there's other breweries that kind of get you know they're like Front Porch and Hoax and they try different things uh, with, with styles of beer and what goes into it. And so sometimes sometimes it doesn't work. But I think that what you know is that they're consistently trying to put something out quality. And I, so I think it's uh, it kind of is a little focus on the art and you know what sam comes up with and also trying to close the name of it but to your to your point though like you know 
poison beer or, you know, uh, death ale. It doesn't always, you're kind of like, oh, a little, little questionable what I'm getting myself into. But some of these colors and, and flavor profiles that they have are, yeah, I think they almost have a glow and like a neon uh, look to it at times that you're not used to seeing in a beer. So maybe, I'm not, and I'm not sure how it comes. Is it the chicken or the egg either? You know, what, what comes first sometimes? I think they brewed it and maybe once they saw what it looked like, they came up with the name. I, I, I don't know. It's uh, It's interesting. Hey, you know, it, 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 no. I think the main thing is that the rules of yesterday are gone, yeah. where you had to be, you know, this has to appeal to everybody. This has to be, you know, very friendly to the family. No, not necessarily. You could have, you could have an octopus elk in the woods uh, emerging out of a toxic sludge, and people are like, absolutely, I want to drink that. So that's cool. I mean, I'm absolutely fine with that. It, it's about, It's like music, too. It's not everybody's taste, but they're going to definitely find people that are going to be into it. Yeah. This uh, this last one, if you want to walk on over to this last one, is called Remedy. And it is a Housatonic River Brewing out of New Milford, Connecticut. It is a beautiful can that is a lot more peaceful. This one really does evoke, as you as you turn it around, kind of a, a nice little you know tent uh, by uh, a winding river. There's a there's a roaring fire going on. It's an imperial stout. It's very nice. It gives me a nice vibe. I love the font with the word remedy. It looks like just pieces of or a bunch of logs all lined up together. Tell me a little bit about this artist and a little bit about this uh, design. This artist is uh, another really impressive uh, person, uh, Maggie. Uh, Gagliardi, you can follow her along on Instagram at Mags, M-A-G-Z Art. And she's great because she she lives a life. She, she works really hard. We've uh, featured her at some of our events that we've done. And she actually, she's a, she teaches design and uh, illustration at Sacred Heart University also, which is really cool. And this, yeah, this, so these ones are, uh, I would, I would define these more of having like a, almost photorealism. She does another series of uh, art, which she creates uh, her her monster series. And if you go to her, her website, you can see that, but it's all these cool, really intricate, detailed you know, pieces that she works on for, for months at a time. But I like this one a lot because it, you know, like you said, the lettering uses uh, kind of uh, wood and logs to really drive home the idea of, you know, of just camping. And, you know, I, I love to go camping and you get out there in the woods and, you know, I think stouts are synonymous with sitting by the fire and you know, letting them warm up and kind of uh, keeping you warm throughout the night. And so I think that that vibe is captured, you know, perfectly by by her work and, and the, the labels that she's done for, for who's a tonic kind of fall you know, fall within that fall within that vein. She's also done stuff for Front Porch here in Connecticut. Uh, you know, we first came to learn of her for the work that she did with uh, Collective Arts. She's a you know a featured uh, you know artist for them as well. And she and I were actually uh, judges for one of the the seasons of their works together. Um, and they featured her monster series, which is really cool. Then again, if you go up the road to Maine, uh, if you go to Austin Street, they're in a new location in Portland. They have one of her uh, monsters as an art installation on the wall behind the, the tap. And she's done work for, I believe, 5050 Brewing. Uh, I think Thomas Hooker and uh, a few others. Uh, I think Empty Point is another brewer. So she's really active. You know, she does her own style of work and she's really a great resource and just a, 
positive uh, person. You know, I've had a lot of questions, and you know, she's you know, even been so kind to to help me team up with somebody to, to help work on my wife's school's uh, yearbook. So yeah, she's just a great resource and just an all around good person. So you've had this podcast for years now. When you look at a can now, you're going into a package store and you start looking at cans. What are you looking for now that you might not have looked at before you started the podcast? For full disclosure, I look for upcoming guests. <laughs> so I, a lot of times I'll go, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, a lot of times I'll go and take just take pictures like a you know, panoramic or what have you and start looking over, uh, you know, who, who's what. You know, I try to uh, you know, do that. At times, it's been a nice little perk. We don't get it as often, but uh, I'm probably consuming. I try to consume with the pandemic less than I, you know, mentally and, and burned out to do. But you know, we get packages here and there, so it's kind of nice to get some beer in the mail. And I, one of the things which I don't know if you think is weird, but we we try not to if we haven't had the brewery, we try not to drink the beer until after we talk to the artist because we don't want the beer if it's not of quality to impact how we perceive them and the art so it's like a i don't know i get that okay cool yeah because people are like wait what you turn down you turn yeah. down free beer and i'm like no i just like the artist has nothing to do with how the beer tastes so if the beer sucks and i'm talking to them about you know this beer it'll just it, it'll just i know we're getting to my subconscious and so i try to avoid that well, it goes back to the music analogy, right? Just because you don't like the music, you can't you can appreciate the album cover. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the future. What innovations do you see happening now, or where do you think this can design is going to go in the future? What kind of things are do you think we're going to be talking about years down the line that we might not be now? Uh, one thing I've noticed, which I thought was cool, there's a few breweries that do it is almost, I think they're eight cans or six ounce cans. So like if you're doing like a really strong beer, they'll do these like almost like a single serve uh, version of it, which I actually really like. There's a, you know, there's a brewery in Chicago that does it, whose name escapes me, but I'll, I'll, I'll find it for you. That does that and they, and I think it's great because you go to this big, big stout, for instance, that's, you know, you know, 12, 14, 15% and you want to enjoy it, but you have 16 ounces of that or what have you. And it's, uh, you know, it definitely can, can take its toll on you. It's, uh, the brewery is called St. Errant, E-R-R-A-N-T brewing out of, uh, the, the Midwest. And they, yeah, they're bigger stouts. They'll do in these like eight ounce, like mini cans. And I think it's, I think it's, I don't know. It's just cool. Cause I, you don't see that very often. Like almost like a single serving. It's a little more challenge for the artist as well. They've got a smaller canvas. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's, I think it's been interesting. I think that, I, I can't see the, the cans going away. I, mean, I think that right now, from a distribution and ecological standpoint, you know, to be able to, you know, cans are able to transport better and they hold a little better. But uh, it'll be interesting. I, I'm hoping the, I'm hoping this period where you know the, the can shortage doesn't, you know, impact anybody, where they're, you know, in a in a situation where people are trying to buy all their, you know, their beer and they they can't do it. I, are you prepared to pivot? Sixteen uh, ounce canvas? Are you going to be twelve ounce canvas? Are you going to be, uh, yeah. you know, eight ounce canvas? Right, yeah. Bottle right, canvas? Yeah. Seventy five milliliter canvas? Right. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I think that <laughs> we, we, like I said, we're pretty humble and amazed that we're able to still do this. And folks like yourself, you want to talk to us? But yeah, I think that in the, for the future for us, we were hoping to do a book. I think that would be kind of because. 
as some as you know as you know, and it's nice to kind of commiserate with fellow podcasters. I don't know if I can do this forever. You know, it's definitely my happy place, and I think we've got way more episodes than we ever thought we would have possible. But you know, I want to have something that's kind of uh, when I look back on it, it's like a, a tangible like legacy of the project. So that, we're doing some research now on doing a like a coffee table book. My thanks to AJ Kieran's. You can find the 16-ounce Canvas podcast on major listening platforms and at his website, www.16ozcanvas.com. You can also follow him on Instagram at 16OunceCanvas. Welcome to the after party. Pull up a large vibrating egg and relax. Have another beer. I'm enjoying a Firefly Hollow Glow, a New England IPA. It's aging now, but mellowing nicely. Contrasted with some homemade Chinese food tonight, it was a little awkward, but it's still very good, especially by itself. So I know podcasters talking to each other can turn into a little bit of inside baseball, so I tried to make it accessible. I'm just fascinated when podcasters or any interviewers, you know, really stick within a topic for a long period of time. I mean, AJ's 16-ounce canvas podcast is niche. This is about beer can art, and I love that. And he's got so many great guests, so I definitely recommend you listen to all the podcasts on the Hopped Up Network, especially It Starts With Beer, but definitely venture on over to AJ's. And you'll find that he is a very good interviewer as well. The visuals, I think, are kind of interesting. I hope that you get a chance to go to my website, uh, beersnobrights.com slash podcast, and you'll get a chance to see some of the labels we talk about. So here in Connecticut, and maybe elsewhere throughout the country, and elsewhere (laughs) throughout the world, local breweries have been having to deal with some new restrictions that have been laid down about food. So you have to be seated as a patron in order to be served, and you have to have food, or it has to be coming soon. And it can be snack food, (laughs) apparently according to this new law. It needs to be substantial, and it can't be something you brought home. So chips are out and, you know, leftover spaghetti or whatever that you have in Tupperware. Sounds gross, actually, but you know what I mean. Anything that you bring from home, no, doesn't count. The brewery can get in a lot of trouble and get fined up to $10,000 per violation. It's frustrating, I think, from a patron's perspective. It's frustrating from a business perspective. But I guess if there's any upside to it is that you might be able to help a local restaurant or a local food truck if you're going to be ordering some substantial food. Now, it's a great time during the after party when I get to put a record on. This is from... Nashville-based artist Shane Scarazzini and his band Eight Fingers. 
I had a chance to see Shane oh, a couple years now, ago now. He was actually playing at Hustag Bruin. And I got to see his band play outdoors. I was totally impressed. Wrote about him for a column and then asked him if he wouldn't mind letting me use his track. And so if you're listening to this podcast because you're a Shane Scarazzini fan, welcome to It Starts With Beer. I hope you follow, subscribe, tell others that you like it. And uh, give me a nice rating if you don't mind. That would be great. I'm never good at self-promotion. That's the best I can do. Which is why I called on Shane to see if he could help promote me as well. Anyway. This song is called West Virginia Girl. It's been recently released. If you like up-tempo, classic, fun country, this song is for you. Please support Shane by purchasing his work in places like Amazon Music or go to shanescarazzini.com. Until next time, sip well. Just doesn't flatter the devil shaking hands with my soul. But my West Virginia girl, your spirit is so young. A maverick on a runaway train. Not a bad little freight line, lest you be left behind. Oh, West Virginia girl, never part belongs to you. It's hard to make a living when all 